Shabbat Shalom and greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. I'm here, you're here. Let's get into the word together. If you're in the chat, greet one another, edify one another, and encourage one another in season and out by the holy word of Yahweh and prayer. Thank you, all of you, for supporting this ministry. We live in amazing times, and I'm excited that the Holy Spirit continues to teach us of where to walk and how to walk through this life. Let's dive into Maaseh Shlechim, the Acts of the Apostles, better the Holy Spirit, and we're in chapter 16. And this, of course, is an exciting, it's always exciting for me, just to be in the Word, just removes me from the world and the troubles that the world tries to bring. And he, speaking of Shaul, Paul, came to Derby and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple named Timothy was there, the son of a woman who was a Jewess and who believed. But his father was a Greek, and he was well reported of by the brothers of Lystra and Iconium. Now, Shaul, he wanted to go with him, and taking him, he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they passed through the cities, they delivered to them the commandments to keep, the ones that were ordained by the Shlechim, the apostles, and the elders in Jerusalem. Then, indeed, the assemblies were established, in the faith, and they increased in their growth daily. Now, if you want to read about the good upbringing and report of Timothy, then you would turn to First and Second Timothy. And I'll leave you to do that in your own time. Because I want to get into four things today. Number one, the leading of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. Because if we don't have the leading of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, then we are vessels sunk. Number two, I want to talk to you about a Roman colony. A Roman colony. Number three, I want to talk to you about the Python spirit. It's a principality. Number four... I want to talk to you about the synagogue of Satan and suffering. Now, Shaul, he, he takes the route in the scriptures here from Antioch to Galatia that he didn't take earlier when he went back through Galatia in Acts chapter 14, verse 21. Now, remember, he's already been to the Galatians where he had already delivered his most powerful message, which was the book of the law and the book of the covenant dichotomy. The Malkitzedic message of what Yahushua had done, of moving us from the book of the law into the book of the covenant, blood ratification. This is huge. But now he's moving into the anointing of the Ruach, the Spirit. And we're going to focus on that in verses 6 through 10, the leading of the Ruach. Verse 6, and coming through the Figerian and Galatian region, 
And by the Ruach HaKodesh, listen, I'm looking for a vision. I want to hear the loud booming. I really don't because I know what would happen if we heard such a loud booming voice of Yahuwah. The calves would birth, the mountains. We've already seen, no. The children of Israel said, no, you Moshe, you go up on the mountain. We're going to stay. We don't want, it would be terrifying. So people say, oh, I heard the voice of Yahuwah. If you heard the voice of Yahuwah, your heart would have stopped. Okay? So be careful. Because the scripture tells us that no. So what do we need to hear? And I know in times of difficulty, we all want to hear the booming voice. But really, do we? We want to see the vision. But what do we see here of how the Holy Spirit works in our life? The Ruach HaKodesh leads in our life. And coming through the Figerian and Galatian region, and by the Holy Spirit being forbidden to speak the word in Asia... Having come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia. But the Ruach did not allow them. Then passing by Mysia, they went down into Troas. And a vision appeared to Shaul in the night. A certain man of Macedonia stood begging him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he saw the vision, we immediately tried to go into Macedonia, gathering that the master had called us in order to preach the Bessorah, the gospel, to them. What does this teach me? This teaches me specifically verses 6 through 10 about the leading of the Ruach HaKodesh. Because these particular four verses, they show me the direct guiding of the Spirit in Paul. And how we as believers should be shepherded and guided by the Spirit. We can see how Paul was sensitive to the Spirit's leading. The Spirit wanted him in Macedonia as soon as possible. But apparently we can see from these four verses that Shaul, Paul, he wasn't ready for it. So both in Galatia and Mysia, the Ruach, the Spirit, prohibited Paul from moving forward in the province of Asia For the first time, he was prohibited from moving forward. Look at verse 6. I just want to gun it. I just want to ram through. But sometimes the spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh prohibits me, prohibits you. We have to be sensitive As the world rushes forward, don't react to it. Don't react. Just stay back. Stay. Timing is everything. Then, northward, in Tabithia, we see in the seventh verse, this is the moving of the Spirit. 
Paul moving forward in the province of Asia the first time, verse 6. Then the Spirit moving north into Bithia the second time, verse 7. Then finally he reached Troas and the Ruach then, when then, sent a vision to carry him all the way through into Macedonia, verse 8. This is how it works, brethren. The secular heathen have no comprehension of it, which is why they will always fail at the game of life, which is chess. Your king surrounded, your queen surrounded. But you know what, brethren? There are moves, but those moves will only be made known by the Ruach HaKodesh. The heathen understands not. Of course, the game of chess was invented in Persia when they were in Babylon. When everything seemed so dark and oppressive, when everything was coming down upon them for 70 years of captivity, when their kings and queens were surrounded, taken into captivity, eyes gouged out as the sons were slaughtered before him, the king was surrounded and thrown. But yet, by the moving of the Ruach HaKodesh, all of a sudden, Everything changes. That is the power of a spirit-filled life. Just because we don't hear an audible voice or necessarily even get a vision doesn't mean the Ruach isn't guiding us in our lives. And I'm not preaching at you. I'm speaking from life experience. The way of my Savior the way of my Savior is that he leads us by the way of his Holy Spirit, which oftentimes I find comes by the way of the Ruach centered in a conviction. But for me to feel that inner conviction, I have to set aside all superfluous emotions. An inner conviction that you and I must be sensitive enough to respond to. I call it the Elijah move of the Ruach. Because the still, small voice is not in the wind. The wind is synonymous for turmoil. The wind is synonymous for stress and for drama. And you will not be led by the Holy Spirit if you get caught up in stress, drama, and the winds of the world. The still small voice is not in the earthquake. It is not in the devastating, earth-shattering news that the world would like you to believe is true. That's drama. That's emotion. An emotion is a destabilizing tool of Lucifer. And the still small voice is not in the fire of wicked words. It's not in the fire of evil report. It's not in the fire of falsehood. 
You don't get swayed by that stuff. You let it burn. Let it burn. Burn it all down. The world does not understand that. They're trying to put out fires. Let it burn. Because that is not where the spirit is. That's where Lucifer is. And that's where they all dwell. No, you have to be patient and wait for the fires to burn through. And then afterwards, if you wait, if you trust, if you put your faith in Yahweh, you'll find the way of the Ruach because it's always going to be in the still, small voice. Paul did. I have. And it is yasum. Yasum. Wind, earthquakes, fires, they are all cognates for pressure, tension, strain, unbridled emotion. These are all things that are detrimental to being spirit-led. And I'm not saying that I do not succumb to those things. I do, because I'm human. But it's only for a moment until I am convicted to get out of that state, because that is chaos. And that is the way of the world that operates in chaos and tries to bring chaos upon people to force them into subjection. But that is not our life. You always have a choice to react or to act. The still small, still small voice, excuse me, only can be heard once all those cognates subside and they subside by prayer, by petition, by stillness. Then, when, then, the spirit, that inner led conviction begins to guide you to find the next move, the next city, the next town. When your king, your queen seem to be surrounded, there's always another move. If you let the Ruach guide you. You see, Yah is involved in my life, in your life, in your life. If we let all those cognates subside, we're not strictly on our own. Oh, you may feel it because you didn't get the vision, because you didn't hear the loud voice. But it's our task, just like Paul here, to seek that still, small voice. And there we find comfort. Because the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, is the comforter. It's right there in four verses from 6 through 10. It's guiding. And sometimes we're prohibited from doing things. And we have to allow the spirit to prohibit us because by being prohibited from moving, we're actually moving. Does that make sense? Yes. That is powerful. That is powerful. Number two, we're going to look at a Roman colony. 
a Roman colony. We're going to jump into verse 11 of the 16th chapter. Then having set sail from Troas, we came with a straight course excuse me, to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, and from there to Philippi. From there to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And we continued spending time in that city some days, some days. You see, Philippi was a thriving town of about 10,000 inhabitants. And it's labeled here in the text depending upon your translation, as a Roman colony, meaning it had been adopted by Rome and its citizens were Roman citizens. You see, Philippi, as a Roman colony, was home of the retired Roman legion soldiers, their army. It was, in essence, a federal military zone. It was an administrative center, a major Roman colony. Brethren, you and I, we live in Philippi. What do I mean? Buckle up your seatbelts. You see, we talk about Babylon Mystery Babylon, the Vatican, Papal Rome, the synagogue of Satan, and all of those things. For so many years, people have been all apocalyptic, myself included. Oh, there's going to be tanks on the street. We're going to be under martial law. Who's heard all of those things? Oh, there's going to be the tribulation. Oh, this is going to happen. We've been under martial law since March 9th, 1933. We live in a Roman colony, and many people don't realize it. If you're in America, you live within Philippi upon the Potomac. Philippi upon the Potomac. You see, What we don't realize is this so-called public U.S. citizenship you've all come to accept is actually a privileged Roman citizenship, much like what the retired soldiers in Philippi had come to accept. They had come to accept it as the status quo. In fact, they were living within a military conquered zone and they resided happily under it retired receiving benefits and privileges you see this public u.s citizenship that so many so many have accepted allows the constitutionality by law civilian government of the united states to be replaced with a de facto emergency war powers military government of the United States. And that took place on March 9th, 1933. And this 
was a takeover plan of the Society of Jesus, the Knights of Columbus, and then President Franklin Augustus Caesar Roosevelt. And it was done by conquering the civilian government, exercising the de jure jurisdiction of the United States, and by replacing it with a de facto military government exercising, listen, exercising an alien and foreign de facto jurisdiction of the United States, thereby, brethren, eradicating the birthrights of the private national citizens of the United States of America and imposing a de facto public U.S. slave citizens. Philippi upon the Potomac. You see, before the Civil War, you were citizens of the state of which you were born. But after the Civil War and the adding of the 14th Amendment, they changed all of that. And with that, you went from private into the public corporate citizenship. You became surety and slaves, just like those Roman soldiers retired on benefits and privileges living under a federal military zone. And with this change of the de jure, by law, constitutional jurisdiction of the United States, United States or United States, to this de facto, which means in actuality, extra constitutional Roman civil law, there came a presidential proclamation, March 9th, 1933, and the subsequent abolishment of all common law rights. Because what happened is there was created an amended World War I statute, an amended World War I statute, a president, presidential proclamation and then the abolishment of common law rights and common law civilian due process of law by the Supreme Court in 1938, and then came an alien and foreign martial due process that has now been adopted by the federal and state courts fitted for the new de facto public U.S. citizens living in states deemed de facto conquered territories, territories, excuse me. We've been under martial law, basically, for 88 years. People have been born into the matrix, slavery, and they've accepted it, not realizing for 88 years this has been going on. There are, in fact, a 100 states in America, you have 50 corporations, which are public, and then you have 50 of the original private states of birthright. All of the states are incorporated. Washington, D.C., being 10 square miles, a federal military zone, including Puerto Rico and Guam, 
And all of this is in the federal laws. But people don't realize it's Philippi upon the Potomac where soldiers living, enemy belligerent combatants living under occupation. This has been going on since the days of Paul. It is Luciferic of its cult and cause, and we haven't even realized it. Mystery Babylon, it's right here. These emergency war power courts enforce the sovereign will of the de facto emergency war powers Congress while sitting in an enlarged concurrent court of equity in the modern merged legal system, all operating under legal fiction. The legal fiction is presumed that the fact that each individual private American national citizen of the United States of America was in contract with and enfranchised by the state of his natural birth, thereby altering his constitutional de jure private American national citizenship into a de facto public federal U.S. citizenship which is the slave chattel citizenship. How did that happen? Upon the filing of a one-sided contract, and with this change in status, allows and obligates the emergency war powers courts to dispose of his matter by federal or state and by criminal or civil. Each court legitimately sits in a broadened, modern, consolidated court of simultaneous equity, implementing the statutes of an emergency war powers Congress. That one-sided contract was public documentation of a certificate of live birth, particularly after the Roman Catholic certificate of baptism, devising a Vatican City state citizenship. Now with this assumption of actuality, of a present contract held by every individual public U.S. resident, this de facto status permits all federal and state courts held by every individual public U.S. resident, this de facto status permits all federal and state courts to sit in concurrent equity, thereby fulfilling the grand design of the Society of Jesus in undermining the common law jurisdiction of the United States by rendering ineffective the constitutional status of de jure private American national citizens of the United States of America, section 1, 13th, and section 1 of the 14th Amendment. Go read it for yourselves. This design, brethren, is from Philippi. This design is a design of the Society of Jesus against the constitutional common law liberties of the private American national citizens of the United States of America, and it was set forth by one of the orders of the Masonic Temporal Coadjutors.
And that legal fiction, brethren, legally imposed by silent consent, because you didn't rebut it, of each private American national citizen was the public filing of a certificate of live birth, the Roman Catholic baptismal certificate of every federally owned public U.S. citizen. And everyone's been talking, oh, there's going to be martial law, the tribulate. 88 years, you were born into it. You were born into it. And because you don't know your history, you've accepted it. Everything out there, it's a legal fiction in commerce. It's all commercial, all statutory. It's Babylon. It's Philippi. As of March 6, 1933, all public U.S. citizens, private American national citizens, citizens, listen, were seized as goods and property by Franklin, Franklin Roosevelt's Marshall Emergency War Proclamation 2039, reducing them to being mere property and belligerents. You're looked at as belligerents that inhabit the 50 states deemed by the commander-in-chief to be merely dominated territories. As private American national citizenship status being intolerable and in contradictions with the maxims of Holy Scripture. What does Proverbs say in the 11th chapter and the 15th verse? He who is surety for a stranger shall be ruined. The courts exist on the premise that you're going to step in and be surety for the stranger. And it only works when you do. He who hates suretyship is what? Safe. He who is surety for a stranger shall be ruined, and he who hates suretyship is safe. You see, right now we have a presidential shift, and the current presidency is all about collecting the in-house income for the federal corporation, and it is a corporation, of the United States, just like the 50 states are corporations now. So you have 100 states, 50 of them, of course, prior to 1933. But now you've got another 50 superimposed over that are actual fiction corporations. And you've got all your city corporations, they're all incorporated. And people don't realize the different layer, the different layers. It's entrapment. So this current presidency right now is all about collecting the in-house income for the federal corporation of the United States by means of removing benefits of the interest on the national debt, which interest is owed who to? The Roman Papacy's Federal Reserve Bank. In your own time, go into Title 28, 
Section 3002, subsection 15A. Read it for yourself. You see, the Emergency Banking Relief Act contains a congressionally amended World War I statute known as the Trading with the Enemy Act. And this has been arranged into United States Code 12, section 95, subsection A and B. Section 2, by President Franklin D. Roosevelt's Emergency War Powers Proclamation 2040, and that was decreed on March 9, 1933. You're all enemy belligerents, enemy combatants living under a federally dominated region become surety for the fiction, and you have to step in and agree to become surety, and then the whole thing is just what? Destruction. You generate income, which allows what? Privileged activities. The natural person being surety for a stranger. The private American national citizen is now married to a new artificial person, U.S. citizen, as its trust property and secondary surety being in commerce upon the waters of admiralty and subject to the absolute legislative powers of the temporary emergency war powers Congress, 1933 to present, to regulate without limit interstate and foreign commerce pursuant to Article 1, Section 8, Clause 3 of the United States Constitution. And during this time of temporary declared state of national emergency, of course now in its 88th year, surety for a stranger shall be ruined. And now it's coming to its apex, where everybody that is now surety for that stranger that is accepting all of these benefits and privileges literally is going to be plundered. But there's another way. There's another way. It's all ledgering. It's time to be led by the Ruach and like Paul to depart from Philippi. No longer being a party to FDR's, FDR's contract with all U.S. citizens by means of Proclamation 2040. Confirmed and approved by Congress in its passage of the Enemy Banking Relief Act, thereby amending the Trading with the Enemy Act, therefore being slaves, people don't realize it, they are slaves in commerce under an emergency war powers military government, both federal and state. You stay. If I stay, I'll be pensioned off. You'll be pensioned off, and we'll all become military wards of an emergency war powers military government of the United States, and that's the end game. Just like those retired, pensioned off soldiers in Philippi. Satan cannot create anything.
He can only copy. This was Babylonian in origin. It was exported to the Greeks, then into Philippi, and of course, established in our modern world through the Vatican, the city of London, and Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C., military. City of London, financial. Vatican wraps the whole thing up into a pseudo-spiritual. It's intolerable. In Philippi, they were all surety. Surety for or married to the Roman system. Just as today, Philippi on the Potomac, all married and surety for the public U.S. citizen in the service of Washington, D.C. for commerce and war. You see, the scripture is our family law, is it not? The scripture is our family law. And in Philippians 3.20, we are instructed that we are to maintain our primary citizenship somewhere else. And unless you do that, you will become surety. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we are looking for the Savior, the Master, Yahushua, the Messiah. So, quite honestly, I'm excited. Like Paul, as I prepare, as Paul prepared for his departure from Philippi, the Roman colony. And when it looks bleak, once you remove yourself, opportunities arise. And that is the move of the Ruach. But number three, we have to beware of the python spirit. Look at verse 16. And, is, and as we went into prayer, it happened that a certain girl possessed a pneuma pythona in the Greek. A pneuma pythoma, a spirit of divination, the King Jimmy translates it to. But it's the python spirit. There is nothing new under the sun. So this woman with the pneuma pythona met us who brought her masters much gain by divining. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High Yah, who are announcing to us the way of salvation. And she did this many days. But being distressed and turning to the demonic spirit, Paul said, I command you in the name of Yahushua the Messiah to come out of her. And it came out in that hour. Things can change really quickly. When things look bleak, they can change so fast. And that is what we see here. But we have to be aware of the python spirit. You see, as the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, moves more and more in your life, 
the more soulish men and the more soulish women become uncomfortable around you. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, that, oh, you're making me uncomfortable. I'm not, I'm not used to be, being around a believer that really believes. <laughs> I mean, these are all concepts, you know, and traditions, right? We've got the incense and we do the, the but, but you actually really, but yeah. Oh, and, and, and when we move in power, what happens when you start to manifest that power of the Holy Spirit? Then, to the soulish man and woman, there is more resistance that you will face. Because ultimately, the spirit of Python, think about the Python, is what? A restrictor. Restricting breathing restricting your movements that is what a python does it's a principality python can be manifest in your midst what are you going to do you and i need to be aware of this demonic python spirit because it is loose in the world today it is manifest over the world today, masquerading under the guise of the demonic spirit and principality COVID. It's the same principality. It's just changed the name so that nobody realizes it's the same. The Python spirit is all about squeezing the very breath out of you, putting the breath of life out of you. So you can't breathe. So you're suffocating. So you're having a hard time getting oxygen into your body, restricting your movements. If somebody goes and tells you to go stand on an X, and if somebody goes and tells you that you have to stand here, that's called false imprisonment, restricting your movements. Other people can go and stand where the hell they want. But don't tell me where to stand. Unless you put me under irons, I am free to move wherever I want and stand wherever I want and I shall stand because it is a spirit of python that seeks to restrict your free movement that's called false imprisonment that's called false imprisonment and nobody has the right to do that unless you're placed under irons and then the python wants to squeeze the very breath out of you you can't even breathe it's a principality, and it is present in the world today, masquerading as COVID. They are one and the same. They are restrictors, smothering your ability to health and breath, controlling and restricting your movements as it coils around every aspect of your life and your being, trying to suffocate your spirit. The python has always been about. It has always been a constrictor. It squeezes the breath, the ruach right out of its prey. The python spirit will always 
oppose the manifestation of the life force of the creator. It will always oppose the breath of human life. It will always oppose the powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your life and try to squeeze, restrict, limit, and control you. Do you see that in the world today? It is a principality. Principalities are over nations. This principality has been so manifest by the synagogue of Satan and the Luciferic system of this world that it is blown across the winds of the world and the majority are going along with it. Python covers. Python restricts. Python tries to suck the air and breath out of its victims. It, it squeezes. It squeezes. It was two weeks to flatten the curve. If they had told you it was a year and a half, no, we're not doing that. But you see, you put a frog in boiling water, it'll jump right out, but you just slowly turn that, and every little sucker goes along with it. It's the plundering. It's the plundering Philippi on the Potomac using the spirit of COVID. Python demonic, just as it was then, just as it is now. Who's making the profit? It's always about the profit. You see the profits that have been going on in the past year since this Python COVID spirit has been manifest as you have been restricted, as your breathing is being shut down, as it's squeezing the very life out of people. You see that the corporate fictions are profiting, aren't they? But the living man and woman is suffering. Wake up. Wake up. 2 Corinthians 10.3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but mighty through Yahweh to the pulling down of these demonic strongholds, casting down wicked imaginations and every high thing, every high principality that tries to suck the very life and breath out of you, it seeks to exalteth itself against the knowledge of Yahuwah and bringing into captivity every thought. We must bring it into the thought and obedience of Yahushua, our Messiah. You see, the Python COVID principality is all about commercial profit and money at any cost. The only thing it doesn't account for is a spirit Filled believer resisting the restrictions. Everything comes at a cost. But we have one life. Live it to the full. You see, the python is truly, truly intimidated by the spirit-filled believer. Why? We shall take up pythons, and if we drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt us. We shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. The Ruach HaKodesh gives us the power to tread on these pythons, 
to tread on COVID, to tread on scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy. And nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt us when we live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I wonder why sometimes and how I got to the place of which I now find myself. And this is where I have to pause for my fourth emotional topic where I'm going to open up and share a little bit of my heart and I'll try not to overshare but bear with me because I really really feel that I want to do this because I want to help people and I want to encourage you as believers and I want to edify the body of Messiah and sometimes you just have to open up a little bit I want to talk about the synagogue of Satan and suffering. In the 19th verse, it is written, And when her masters saw that the hope of their gain went out, having seized Paul and Silas, they dragged them to the market before the rulers. And bringing them near to the judges, they said, These men being Jews are exceedingly troubling our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive nor to do, being Romans. And the crowd rose up against them, and tearing off their clothes, the judges ordered them to be flogged. And after laying on them many stripes, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a command, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. I was reading this late last night for the umpteenth time and I was moved to share. And I'm not to, not to compare myself or any of my former countrymen and women and our trauma to Paul's. But recently, a website went live in the United Kingdom called Everyone's Invited. And it's an open forum expose on the sinister side of British aristocracy, of which many of you know that I was brought up in specifically the British boarding school system. I was reading this harrowing account in the Times of London, written by Louis de Berniers, where I found that these were my words that could have very well been lifting off the very page. And I want to read it to you. Now, Louis, 10 years before I was sent off 
into the same boarding school system run by the synagogue of Satan, which has brought forth generations of suffering. But now, 35 years on, I look at how that has prepared me for the life that I now live. But in the darkest moments 35 years ago, I was at a loss. I wasn't a believer, but I saw now in my floggings and in my sufferings the plan that Yahuwah had for me to equip me to help you and so many people today. And that is encouraging. Because other people who have suffered have helped me. And in our sufferings, we are made perfect. Just as the sufferings of the Messiah made him bring forth perfection for us. Him being born, of course, perfect. Now, Louis, when he was writing for the Times, reflects upon his time. Of floggings. Not to compare ourselves, of course, to Paul, but to compare what suffering does and how it can be brought about for good. And he says this quote, When he beat us, the schoolmaster, he would, and remember, when I was reading this, it was as if I had written it myself. My very words are lifting off the page. When he beat us, the schoolmaster, he would move furniture out of the way so that he could get a good run-up. And after punishment, we were supposed to say, thank you, sir. I could have written those words. He continues, we would have neat, bloody, parallel wounds across our backsides in shades of yellow, black, blue and green, that took weeks to heal. He could admire his handiwork during compulsory naked bathing in the pool. Now, this only differs from my experience just in the last sentence, because my story would read, they would admire their handiwork during compulsory cold showering as they stood hovering and watching us over the stool wall. He goes on to say, he would slipper us so severely that the imprint would be left as a dark bruise that lasted days. And I think of where I now am in my life. Because when I was seven years old, I was the only one in my whole school that stood up and refused to eat the tabioca pudding that we all hated and that we were all forced to eat. The master brought me forth up in front of the whole school assembly, seven years old, because I refused 
And I was the only one that stood up and vocalized what everybody else was thinking. And I was beaten so hard in front of the whole school that I pissed myself in front of all those dumbfounded spectators. Now that, that was a meal to remember. A real meal to remember. All that to say this, the culture of extreme physical and mental cruelty for Paul, for me, maybe for some of you, it prepares those of us who have suffered through that type of cruelty for the life that I'm now blessed to live. Because people come to me and say, I don't know how you do it. And I go back and I go, I was trained to do it. But it has always been because Yahweh knew that I was his. Even in the suffering. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than you. Our suffering and our pain isn't what defines us. Yahweh is bigger than your suffering. Yahweh is bigger than your pain. Through times of trial and pain, I always knew that there was something bigger than me that would help me through it. I didn't understand that it was my Savior in the Spirit that was calling me because I was surrounded by the Church of England and Roman Catholicism and all that false religion that I couldn't see it. But I always had a heart to know. And yes, I got lost in sin and iniquity. But by His mercy and grace, Yahweh's love found me. And now I get to live that blessed life. And it is a blessed life. Because no matter what happens, I've already suffered. I've already had cruelty done to me. Emotionally, mentally, verbally, physically. And some of you have to realize that it's time to allow that stuff, let it go, and be who you are by the power of the Holy Spirit. That Yahweh will use all things for good if you allow Him to do so in your lives. For there is hope of a tree. Hope of a tree that if it be cut down, that it will sprout again. And that that tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth and the stock thereof die in the ground. Yet though the scent of the water, it will still bud. And it will bring forth boughs like a plant. Job the 14th chapter, one of my favorite chapters in the book of Job. You see, my parents, they thought they were doing the best for me, for paying for all this nonsense. All I wanted, though, was to be at home. 
I just wanted to be at home with them instead of going through this hellish abuse, especially since I knew that my father only had a short time to live. The pain of the long, lead-tipped bamboo cane was nothing compared to the pain of a child longing for home and the warmth and tender love of a father that was missing. I realize now that my father in heaven was molding me then for now. The longing misplaced has now found a home in my father in heaven. I don't worry anymore as those in power move desks out of the way so that they can get a good run across the classroom and give the extra power to the paddle or to the cane or to the whack. You may not feel the first hit, but one or two seconds later, that sting sets in, the pain and the suffering. And you know that there's five more to come. And the sting is more than flesh and blood can stand. Yet now, look at verse 25. I get to praise and pray to Yahweh with hymns. And the captive sinners listen to our stories of redemption, don't they? And then suddenly a great earthquake, a move of the Ruach, and the foundations of the prisons of sin are shaken, and Yahweh sets the captives free. And salvation in Yahushua is instantaneous. Immediately all the doors are opened and all the bonds are loosed. Salvation is available. Just repent. Repent and believe on the Master, Yahushua, the Messiah, and you too can be saved. You see, today is the day of salvation. Look at verse 20, verse 35. For very shortly, verse 35, a day is coming when the judges will send the floggers and they will send them into your midst to get more of their pound of flesh. You see, this world, brethren, is dying. They are sucking through the COVID python spirit the life out of people, and now they're going for the pound of flesh through privileges and benefits under the military Philippi zone that everybody is all excited about, just like those Roman retired soldiers. They thought they had it all, but in reality, they were captives. They were never going to be set free. This world is dying, yet we are being delivered out of it. But you have to allow yourself to be delivered out of it. Look at verse 39. Soon the Romans will be afraid. They will be coming. They will be begging. But the doors will be shut. 
slammed in their face. Nobody gets past the king, brethren. That's the good news. Nobody gets past the king. He is checking for soiled garments. And if he sees there a man who has not such a wedding garment, and he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? You will not get past the king with your fraudulent religion. You will not get past the king with your satanic worldly system and your stinking thinking. And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness because there shall be a weeping and a gnashing of teeth for many are called but few are chosen. You see, this is all about Shavuot. We are on the 14th day count of the Omer. And on the 50th count of the Omer, much, much wheat was called forth. But after it was all refined, ground down and put through the press, only a small amount was chosen, ready and fit for the king. Yes, you will suffer. Yes, you will be persecuted. Yes, you will be pressed down, shaken, and you will be put under the pummel stone and ground. And that is what this life is about, to be refined, ready for the harvest. So yes, I was abused. Yes. I had mental cruelty and emotional suffering placed upon me. And yes, so did many of my countrymen and women within the boarding school system. We were flogged. We were beaten. We were starved oftentimes without food. All as punishment. But it equipped me for such a time as this. To count it all as gain for the kingdom. Because he is above all principalities and powers. And Yahuwah is with his children. So if you suffered, and if you heard voices that spoke shame, abuse, and wickedness over you. Just realize that you have a deliverer that is above that. And Yahweh is preparing you and I to make that hard choice to leave the colony. And when you leave the colony, then you get to go and see the waters pass, whether it be the Red Sea or the Jordan, the mountain shall rejoice, the trees shall sing, and even if they try to shut the voices of you and I, the stones shall cry out and sing of the glory of Yahweh. It's pretty amazing times to live, my brethren. It's all coming to a head, isn't it? I think. Let's see what you think in the chat. Let's see what you think in the chat. I'll refresh my screen, get my goggles on. Get the old goggles on so I can see what's going on. 
All right. We'll skip the ads. We don't want any of those ads, do we? If you want to redline me and get some attention, that's the best way. Let's see if I'm actually in the real chat, not just the top chat, the live chat. There we go. Ah. Libby Tube, Shabbat Shalom, Libby down there in Louisiana. Refiner's fire, that is exactly what it is. It is all part of the refiner's fire. I love it. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. And Shabbat Shalom there, Kevin Niebling. He says in Bereshit, Genesis 13.3, And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai. Thank you. I love it when you put scriptures into there. Unto the place of the altar which he had made there at first, and there Abram called upon the name of Yahuwah. There's deliverance, and there is salvation. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Let's see what else we got here. Apparently, Wesley Curry II has been misbehaving. Wesley, she's now been hidden, so I don't know. Wesley looks like the queen. Well, that's most probably the problem, see? It's all part of the, the city of London. Let's please lift up Gabriella Taylor in prayer. She has um, a rare type of shingles. And his highly infected right arm is giving out. So please, please, brethren, lift her up in prayer. And um, maybe a topical solution, I don't know. I don't know much about shingles, but I just always, uh, you know, in, the, in my, in my um, what is it, my fat Greek wedding, they just use Windex for everything. I, I use collodial silver for everything. And I find that that really, uh, I drop collodial silver in my eye. I mean, I, I mean, I put that stuff everywhere. I drink it. So... Gabriella, we are with you. We are with you. Thank you for being here and still watching and tuning in. I pray that Yahweh's hand be upon you, sister, and that you be healed. Baruch Hashem, Yahweh. Jerry, Shabbat Shalom. Jerry, I love it. Hebrews 5, 8. Though he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. A servant is not greater than his master. So we have to look at those sufferings and realize, even our present, if we're suffering presently, that Yahuwah has his hand upon us. Truth hurts. For Matthew, off subject, but how do you view birthdays? Do you consider them pagan celebrations? You know, I do. Three times in scripture they show up, of course. Job, the book of Job. Um, of course, the time where um, Herod was celebrating his birthday. It wasn't a good day for John the Baptist. And, of course, Pharaoh was um, celebrating his birthday. 
Now, what I've learned in marriage is that sometimes you have to, you know, meet each other halfway. So when my, my, my children, before they were born, I said to my wife, I don't want to celebrate my birthdays anymore. It's a bunch of pagan stuff. But my wife really likes, you know, parties and planning, whatever they are. I mean, we just had Passover. She loved planning for it. And she just really does an amazing job. So the compromise, not to compromise on the word, but within our family was, well, okay, how about when the children's, we, we um, you know, get together with the in-laws on their Hebrew date. So we did that, okay? So now my children have no idea of what their Roman birthday is. I don't even know, which is really fun when you're filling out forms and they go, what's it? I'm like, um, 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 oh, hmm, I don't know. Truth hurts. Don't know if that helps you. Sometimes I just ramble on. Yes, they're pagan. <laughs> Do we celebrate them? On, my, on the children's Hebrew birthday, we generally um, uh, do have uh, go over to the in-laws and um, have a barbecue or whatnot, but we don't do the candle and all the cake and all that nonsense. You know, we've gone back and forth over the years. If I have my way, but I don't always get my way, do I, Tamara? Shiloh says... Malachi 4.5, turning the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons' hearts to the fathers. Timothy was a son to Shaul. Hallelujah. Courageous says Yahusha's birthday was the biggest celebration of all. I would disagree. I would say Yahusha's death, burial, and resurrection was the greatest celebration of all. But that's just me. Because in the Bible, what does the Bible celebrate? The day of your death. That's biblical. You celebrate the day of somebody's death for the life they lived. Now, in the book of Satan, the most important day is the day of somebody's birth. Why in the Bible is the day of death so important? Because you can reflect back upon the life that the saint has lived. Because who knows, everybody's born, but most will choose to plunder their life for and live wickedness. Why celebrate? You don't even know what kind of life they're going to live. But when Abraham died, they had his funeral meal and celebration. Of course, that's where Esau and Jacob and the pottage and the stew was all about. And Esau sold the birthright. He was supposed to officiate over that celebration where everybody was coming from afar. But Esau sold that position to his brother. That was the greatest day, Abraham's death. Why? Because you could celebrate the life that he lived. So there you go. Ties that one in. Not to be argumentative or anything, much more truth says, what's a Hebrew birthday? Well, you, well on, on, the, on the Hebrew calendar, the day, you can go back and track it and find it out. And then you'll find the Torah portion 
that um, corresponds to it, which is a really cool thing to do because you can go back and look. It, of course, will be on the Hillel calendar, so some of you, you know, calendar buffs are going to be offended by that, which is fine. But you can go back and on the Hillel calendar under, you know, the Jewish system, you can find, you can go back to, you know, whenever the year you were born and the day, Roman day, and find the corresponding Hebrew month and day and the Torah portion that was being read at that time. And you will generally find that that Torah portion reflects your very life. My Torah portion, my birth portion is Sukkot. It's the it's very time where Yahushua was born. It was my Torah portion. And with that, it's a uh, Erev Sukkot. It's really impacting. It's really, really powerful. So, anyway, good stuff. Much more beauty says, Psalms 27.4 says, One matter I asked of Yahuwah, this I seek, to dwell in the house of Yahuwah all the days of my life, to see the pleasantness of Yahuwah and to acquire in his heckle, his tabernacle. Praise Yahuwah. Let's see what else we got. Oh, just jumped on me. The old chat just jumped on me. Well, there's a lot of you on the chat here today, isn't there? All right. We'll finish up with Jerry Pack here with a scripture. Matthew chapter 20, verse 17 through 19. Yahushua walked into the face of his own death, knowing he'd be condemned to die mocked, scourged, and crucified, and left to suffer a slow, excruciating death. What was his supreme motive? Love, mercy, grace, and compassion to give us a life and a hope and a future, just as written by the prophet Jeremiah. And with all of that, be blessed with this, Shabbat Shalom, and tune in next Shabbat, and please love one another, edify one another in the comments section below, and please consider this ministry in your tithes and offerings and stewardship, and remember, we're counting the Omer, it's the 14th day of the Omer today, read Psalm 14, read Psalm 64, and read Psalm 114, and then tomorrow, you get to read Psalm 15, Psalm 65, and Psalm 115, so on and so forth, till the end of the Psalms, and we'll see you at Shavuot, when the smoke clears, leave Philippi. Prepare to exit Babylon. Get out of the pod of the blooming matrix and let's set our hearts, minds, and prayers on the kingdom of Yahweh and let this world just burn.